cool. We'll just let's jump into it, I guess. And we're in Galatians. I'm excited about talking more about what we we kind of alluded to last Sunday, and then uh, so we'll see where it, where it goes from there. Lord, thank you so much for always meeting with us, always reminding us of the reality that we are in the Spirit 24-7. 24-7 in the Spirit. For if any man be in Christ, he is in the Spirit. He is no longer in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Thank you for that reality, Lord. Help us to possess this promised land, this land of Christ himself, and enjoy all the riches that are in the Son. He who spared not his only Son, he who spared not his only Son, will he not freely with him give us all things? That's your heart. That's the truth. Help us see these things, Lord, the things of the Spirit that natural man cannot discern and must be revealed. For eye has not seen and ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the mind of man what God has prepared for those who love him. But the Spirit is given to reveal these things to us now. Who can know the thoughts of God but the Spirit of God? Thank you, Lord, for rest. Thank you for rest. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, um, Billy said something, Billy Gray said something a while back on the phone. We were talking, he said, he said, you know, you almost have to be in rest to receive well concerning the things of God. And that's so true because if we're not in rest in terms of, if we're in turmoil in terms of, you know, does, you know, does, does God love me or is God counting my sins against me? Am I forgiven? Am I, all these weird thinking, this weird, these uh, weird teachings we've had in the past. Am I, am I, am I confessed up to date? You know, is, you know, all these things. Um, if you're not in rest, it's difficult to hear and receive. So, what I love to do before we start is just that simple prayer, just to all, I think the word is calibrate. We're all get calibrated together, you know, same mind, same heart, same rest. And then, uh, then when the word goes forth, revelation, it's like, it's like, you know, just easily received. Wisdom from above is easily received, the scripture says, full of mercy, peace. Awesome. Okay, let's go into Galatians. I want to jump into, let's go to Galatians. Last time we we were talking about, uh, we're still kind of on that, we're kind of stuck on that verse, you know, walking in the Spirit. It's a great verse to get stuck on. <laughs> we're now um, in, let's see, Galatians chapter, chapter 5, and we read... Um, verse 16, 17, and 18 last Sunday. I'm going to read those again real quick. Um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, 17, 18. 
I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. This verse 17 is so cool because he says basically, you know, um, well, first of all, I think it's so awesome that the, the answer to sin, the answer to the sin problem that we all have, because we all have the flesh, though we're not in the flesh, we still have the flesh and we still have the power of sin that works in our mortal body. So everybody has a sin problem. Um, but Paul's answer to the flesh or the sin problem is so simple yet so profound walk in the spirit period end of story so understanding what that means is pretty crucial it's pretty important walk in the spirit because he says that in all of his letters over and over again and what we shared what we've been talking about is that in essence walking in the spirit is nothing less than living on earth in these earthen vessels remember we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power is clearly seen to be of God and not of ourselves. But walking in the Spirit is nothing less than walking on earth as if you are living in heaven every day. It's awesome. Because in heaven, we have what we have in heaven, we have now. See? We have direct access to God now. We think, oh, when we die and we go to heaven, I'll be able to go right up to the throne of God. Well, the scripture says we now have access, direct access to the Father through the Spirit because of the Son's work. Hebrews says, come boldly to the throne of grace, the throne, to find help and mercy in time of need. In fact, Jesus said this just before he left the earth. This is so cool. We're going to look at this one day in John, the Gospel of John. He started talking really different toward the end, really different. He started saying stuff he'd never said before, really cool stuff. He said stuff like this. Heretofore, you've never asked the Father anything in my name. Start asking, and he will grant it. I do not say I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you. He began to release them. He said things like this, that I give you the keys to the kingdom, the realm that's, that's come, that, that is with you, that shall be in you by the Spirit. I give you the keys to this kingdom. Whatsoever has already been bound, in the Greek it says, what has already been bound in heaven can be bound on earth. What has already been loosed in heaven may be loosed on earth. This is cool. I mean, this is like, I mean, what the heart of the Son was, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When he says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he's saying that which is already is, what is in heaven, you have the right and the authority in my name to pray that that would be on earth. And what's so cool, now what's really cool is that it, it starts with the will of God has already been fulfilled in us, in him, now in us. So what is the will of the Father? Hebrews says, in the volume of the book, it is written of me, the Christ, speaking of himself, prophetically in the Hebrews quoting Psalms. 
in the volume of the book it is written of me. Behold, I come to do thy will, O God. Sacrifices and burnt offerings thou desirest not, but I have come to give myself to do thy will. And then it says, Hebrews says, and what is his will? His will was that he would offer himself up, take on a body and offer that body up so that we would have complete forgiveness, complete righteousness, complete access. So the will of God, that heaven itself could come on the inside of us. So it starts here. That's why the scripture says we are in the spirit. Let us also walk in the spirit. Paul says if we live in the spirit, and that's what he's been trying to say all through the Galatians book. You know, if we live in the spirit, now let's also walk in the spirit. In other words, you are in the spirit. We, contrary to a lot of old Pentecostal teaching, you don't get out of the spirit when you walk after the flesh. You're not out of the spirit when you sin as a believer. That's old Pentecostal, charismatic, assembly of God maybe, Baptist, everybody, I guess. But it, you don't, you don't, you, the scripture says if you are in Christ, you are in the spirit and not in the flesh, period. That's a state of being. That's a reality. And it's because you, you and I manifest the flesh sometimes because we're not walking in the power of that spirit. We're manifesting the flesh. We don't get out of Christ. You know, that's the whole point. The whole point is to realize this is a state of being. This is a spiritual circumcision that's taken place. That's why you don't get baptized over and over again, because that's a picture of a one, one work. When you, when you believe, God circumcised the body of the flesh and put us in himself. The only thing we do over and over again that the Lord left us to do is eat bread and drink wine to remember what he already did, but not to reapply it or redo it. He's not to die often, the scripture says, but once at the end of time for all sin, for all people, for all time. Otherwise, Christ would have to have suffered every single day, Hebrew says, if we think like that. See, to cover everything. Isn't it cool? All right, so we are in the Spirit 24-7. And so in this reality, God wants us to first see that heaven has come within here. That's the good news. The good news is the kingdom of heaven has come. Right. I mean, and you can have it inside of you, no matter what's happening outside here. In the world, we shall have tribulation. In the world, we shall have to pay bills. In the world, we shall have car wrecks. In the world, we sh- our body will grow old, for the body is dying because of sin, but the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But even then, the body can be healed by the power of, that he- of heaven itself within us. That's why the shadow of the apostles could heal the sick. The realm of God had come where there was righteousness, complete, perfect righteousness as a gift, where there was the peace of Jesus himself that he left with us and the joy of Jesus himself. This is heaven. This is the awesome good news. As Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is not coming like men think. It's not coming with observation, with the eyes. You're not going to see it, you know, come down from the sky and that's the kingdom. It's not coming like men think. It shall be within you, he said. And Paul says the kingdom of heaven is righteousness and peace and joy in the spirit. Okay. So the he- heaven has come, we're talking about, we, call, we, c- we can call God our Father, our Daddy, our Abba. We are as righteous as God Himself is because He gave us His righteousness. The righteousness of God as a gift through faith. We have everything we could have when we go to heaven. Everything. We can ask God for things. We can fellowship with God. We can talk with God. The only thing we don't have in these bodies is that we do walk by faith and not by sight. Then we shall see, and faith will be dissolved. There will be no need for faith after we see. For we now, now by faith, not by sight. Hope will also be dissolved. We hope for that which we have not yet experienced or possessed. We have hope that these bodies will put on immortality. All these things. 
The only thing that remains is love. Faith, hope, and love. Faith and hope will dissolve. And all that remains is love because God is love. Isn't that awesome? So it's so simple, but yet so profound. So this awesome kingdom, this awesome authority that has come to us, and I do believe the next, if you want to say it this way, the next level, if you want to say it that way, of understanding that will rock our world is coming from this place of rest and heaven within to a place of understanding of our sonship and the authority that he himself has given us to bring the will of God on earth. It's very powerful, but it can't be mixed with law. The scripture says he confirms the word of his grace with signs and wonders. He will not confirm the word of the law. He will not confirm the word of mixture. He will confirm the word of his grace with signs and wonders to show. Because that's what, that's what was happening. Jesus walked the earth and the kingdom that was within, within him and not yet within those around him. Because he said, the truth is with you, it shall be in you. So he was, his work had not been accomplished yet, so the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified, John says. So he's walking among them, and that realm was breaking forth around him, healing the sick, raising the dead, forgiving sins, all these things to the point where he would, in crowds, he felt the woman touch the hem of his garment in faith and felt virtue go out of him. He felt virtue go out of him. That's how it works. I mean, this is substantive. What I'm trying to say, this is not theory. This is not... Theology, uh, this is not theology. This is substantive. I mean, if there, if there was, someone could invent a camera that could see in the spiritual, and we took a picture of everybody sitting in this room right here, you'd be amazed of the flame, the flame of God that is in each one of you, each one of us. The flame of God, because you've been joined to him, the, the spirit burning in a good way, you know, just like a beautiful flame. That's the presence of God within, no matter how we feel on the outside. So, so let's look at this. So it's so important to, to, uh, to understand that walking in the spirit is like, it's just like, it's like walking in heaven. So we have to remember these things of the spirit that are revealed to us because I've heard that verse, like we prayed in the beginning, I've heard that verse quoted so many times, eye has not seen, ear has not heard nor has it entered into the mind of man what God has prepared for those who love him. And then it stops right there. You hear preachers, they stop right there like, you know, oh, one day, sweet by and by, we're going to see all these things. You know, and uh, you hear that at funerals a lot of times, you know, talking about one day we'll see and understand. The very next verse says, but, 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 but. (laughs) Did anybody see the but? (laughs) But, it says, but the Spirit now reveals these things to those who have the Spirit. Because the Spirit is given to show us these thoughts of God. Who can know these thoughts but the Spirit of God? Therefore, the Spirit has come to show us these things that we might know, the things that are freely, underlined freely, given to us. Isn't that cool? So we can know these things. Not only only can we know these things, we must know these things. You can't walk in the Spirit if you don't know the things of the Spirit. Because the things of the Spirit have to do with God is my Papa. That's one of the things. The things of the Spirit is, I am as righteous as God Himself is because He gave me His righteousness as a gift. That's one of the things of the Spirit. I am, I'm, I've already died on this earth through the death of Christ on the cross. I'm no longer joined to my flesh. I'm actually joined to Him who was raised from the dead. 
And even as Christ died once, never to die again, I died once, never to die again. I ever live unto God, even as he ever lives unto God. I live every day as one who has been raised from the dead as I walk the earth. That's one of the things of the Spirit. So all these things of the Spirit are just, this is what we feed on. This This is what nourishes us so that the life that is in us, his life, can flow and manifest and bear much fruit. It's totally opposite natural thinking, as you can see. Yes. I mean, if Paul had not written these things down, we'd all be considered nuts. They even call, they even told Paul, you know, much learning has made you mad, Paul. And Paul says, oh, noble Festus, I'm not mad. I wish you were just like me, except for these chains back here, you know. Yeah. So cool. He saw it. He saw it. Okay. Here we go. Um, Okay, I want to I want to do this. Oh, this is so cool. Verse seventeen, chapter five. I mean, cha- yeah, chapter five, verse seventeen. Wouldn't it be so cool if we had? Because this verse seventeen just says, "The spirit wars against the flesh. The flesh wars against the spirit." And so you can't do the things that you wish. The thing, the thing that you would like to do, in the spirit, the good thing that because of your new heart, that's another one of those things of the spirit. That's one of the things of the spirit that is so powerful to re- never forget. You have a new heart. As the prophet proclaimed, the day would come when he would wash us with pure water and put a new heart within us. That was the prophecy of the new covenant, a new heart. We don't have the old heart anymore. And that old, and one of those prophecies says he'll take out the stony heart and put in a heart of flesh. He's not talking about flesh in the sense of sin right there at all. The contrast is stone, which has no life, to flesh, which is a living organ. That's the the contrast. So it's not the flesh in the sense of bad flesh. It's talking about living, a living. So we have a new heart. Never forget that. That's one of the things of the Spirit. You can't begin to walk in the Spirit if, you, if we don't have these things that, that we feed on, that we remember. Remember the two wings of the great eagle, I think? Refer to revelation and remembrance. Revelation and remember. Revelation, remember. Reveal, remember. Because remembrance is powerful. I mean, remembering the truth is powerful. It's a big part of the Christian life. Is simply remembering. In fact, one of the main works of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, would be the Spirit will come and bring to your remembrance the things that I've revealed to you. Because if, it, if, we, if they're out of our mind, Paul says, I pray that you keep these things in mind. See? Okay, cool. All right, let's look at this. All right, wouldn't it be great if we had a commentary on this verse 17 that Paul wrote? A, a commentary written by Paul himself. This, this verse, this verse says the, war, the spirit wars against the flesh. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great if you write it? <clears throat> oh yeah, right. One, one of these days, I, I really do want to write a book. One of these days, we'll get, Lord willing, we'll get something out there. But wouldn't it be great to have a commentary? But what I was getting at, Wim, is wouldn't it be great to have a commentary written by Paul on his own verse? Well, I found it. I found a commentary written by the Apostle Paul on this one verse where he expounds on this whole thing of flesh and spirit. And I secretly overnight wired it wireless into your Bibles last night. So you have it in your Bibles. It's Romans chapter 7. Isn't it cool? Romans 7 is a commentary on this one verse in Galatians where it says, I, I'm in the spirit. But the flesh wars against the spirit. And the very thing I want to do, I don't do. And the thing I don't want to do, I end up doing. He wrote a commentary commentary on that one verse in Romans 7. So let's look at that real quick. In Romans 7. 
This is so cool. Okay, here we go. I'm going to go kind of fast on this because there's a lot here. I want to try to cover it all, but this is really, really cool. Romans 7, chapter 1. I mean, chapter 7, verse 1. Romans 7, verse 1. Do you not know, brothers, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? Wow. As long as you live. Can I just say this real quick? The law will never die. The law will never die. Not one jot, not one tittle shall be removed from the law until the end of the world. Until all the heavens are dissolved. The law never dies. We have to die. We have to escape the realm, the natural realm of this creation to another place where there is no law. That's the gospel. Cool. Okay. Verse 2. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law so that she she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Now he's taken... Jewish divorce law and using an example of, you know, how spiritual truth here, but he's not talking about the sin of adultery or anything like that because we know the woman at the well had five divorces and she was living with a man that was not her, her husband and there was, there's no issue at all of, of the gift of righteousness once our faith is in Christ. There's no issue at all because he, there's not any sin greater than what, there's no sin greater than the death of Christ. And there's only one sin only one sin that remains that there's no forgiveness for in this life or in the life to come. And that is the rejection of the one who died for all sin. That's the only sin that remains. That will, there will be no forgiveness for, for the rejection of the Son of God. Those who seek to earn their own righteousness, who refuse to submit themselves to the righteousness of God as a gift, receive as a gift, there's no forgiveness because there remaineth no other sacrifice for sin. Isn't that cool? Yeah. The simplicity of it. I love it. You know? In him, all things are done. Without him, nothing can be done. Okay, here we go. Now, what's he, what's he saying here? Now, we, we've had, people have taught us in the past that this picture is a picture of us being married to the law. And that, that uh, the law died. The law was our husband. The law died. And so we were able to marry someone else. We were able to marry Christ. That's not what he's saying here. You're not married to the law. We're not married to the law at all. When, when a husband and wife are married, they're not married to the law. They're married to each other. So he's, who is this husband that Paul's referring to? They're under the law. They're under this jurisdiction of the law. But who's the husband here? Look at this. So cool. Verse 4. Therefore, my brothers, you also... Here's he's comparing that law now with the spiritual truth. Verse 4. Therefore, my brothers, you also have become dead to the law. Dead to the law. The law didn't die. We're dead to it. Through the body of Christ that you may be married to another, even to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, all right, that's what we were married to. Our husband was the flesh. Our husband was the Adamic race. We were married to it. We were of Adam. When we were in the flesh, when we were married or joined to the flesh, what happened? 
Verse 5, for when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law. Pretty clear. Which were aroused by the law were at work in our members, the body, to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law. How do we get out from under that jurisdiction of the law? Having died to what we were held by, what were we held by? The flesh. We actually, the flesh itself died to release the real you, which is on the inside, so you could pass and be married to another. Christ's death on the tree was a picture. He became sin for us. God condemned sin in the flesh, in Christ, on the cross. It's as if he became the entire Adamic race, which we were joined to. And his death means that I died. And that's exactly what Paul said. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Okay, look at this real, real cool. All right, so, now, saints, this is what Paul refers to as the mystery of Christ. This whole revelation here. This could not be seen if God had not revealed it to Paul and others. This whole mystery of the death of Messiah would mean the death of the human race. The resurrection of Messiah would mean the raising up of a new race that could not have been seen without revelation. That is the mystery of Christ. Because the result of us having died and having been raised again in Him means that now He is alive in us. You know that verse that says, Oh, the riches, um, the riches of the glory of the mystery. In Colossians, it says, The riches of of the glory of the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Notice how Paul says that. The riches, the riches of the glory of the mystery is Christ in you, our hope of glory. The mystery is not Christ in you. A lot of ministries have that wrong. It's not a big deal, but I think it's a big deal because I want to be clear. But the, the mystery is not Christ in you. Because the mystery is not about us. Primary, primarily. The, but the riches, the wealth of this mystery is Christ is in you. Now what is he saying there? The mystery or the hidden truth, the word in the Greek just means the hidden truth. The hidden truth of Christ, of this Messiah, is that he was hidden in God, the Son. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word came and, and took on flesh and blood and tabernacled among us. His death would bring the death of the whole human race. His resurrection would be, bring the beginning of a whole new race. The riches of the glory of this great mystery of God coming to us and dying and being raised again as a man. The great mystery of this work, the riches of that is that Christ who was, who was hidden in God and not known until he came is now hidden in you. For your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You see it? It's a complete circle. He came. He goes, I have come from the Father. He's about to wash their feet. He says, I have come from the Father. And I go back to the Father. It's a complete circle. 
that revelation, it was unknown. The prophets looked, desired, they, they prophesied of this one that was coming, of this, of this grace that would come to us. I love that verse because it shows a transition. Grace that would come to us. I love this verse in Peter because he says, the prophets knew they were not prophesying to their own people. They were not, help, they were not speaking to their own people. They were speaking to you because it was not the time of the grace that would come, of the sufferings of Messiah, and the glory that would follow. You're in it. After his sufferings, of the glory that would follow is himself inside of you. Heaven itself inside of us, because where he is, is heaven. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. If it were not so, I would have told you. See, so, so this... This is, this, is, this is the kind of thing the Holy Spirit wants us to, to dwell on, feed on. Because right now, right now, the power of sin right now has been, is being totally short-circuited in all of us. You sense it? There's no desire to sin, flesh. Walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why? Because we're in heaven. And the life is flowing and the light is shining and there's joy and there's... The love of God is filling us, you know, as we see how much He loves us. Oh, we, if we could see the height and the width and the breadth and depth of His love, how, you know, we'd be filled with the fullness of God, Paul said, and the power that works mightily within us. All these things is what the church has if we just can see and believe and receive and experience, see? It's so cool. It's God's way. The law arouses the power of sin. And man thinks the way to hold someone accountable or the way to modify behavior is to hold them accountable. And we said last Sunday, I want to talk more about this next time, but we, under the law, this whole concept of making sin exceedingly sinful, making it really bad, making it like really horrible, that's a, that's a dynamic that's under the law. The law was given to make sin ex- exceedingly sinful. Jesus, when the way he ministered, he didn't minister that way at all to, the, to his people, to the believers. Now, to the unbelievers, to the Pharisees who were trying to earn their own righteousness, he magnified the law and he did just that and made sin exceedingly sinful so they had no place to hide. I've never committed adultery in my life. If you've lusted in your heart once, you've committed adultery. That's right. See? So he made sin exceedingly sinful to those who were trying to earn their own righteousness, but for those who, have, who would come to him and say, Lord, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Peter, don't be afraid. To his own, he gave them the mysteries of the kingdom. To his own, he revealed what the parables meant. And it was nothing to do about making sin exceedingly sinful. In fact, all the parables, all of his encounters were just the opposite that made the Pharisees so angry with him. He eats and drinks with sinners. He's a wine-bibber and a gluttonous man. He parties too much. He, we caught that woman in the very act of adultery. And look what he said. Go and sin no more, neither do I condemn you. What is that? Moses said she should be stoned. That's what they said after they left and closed doors. They were angry because he was not focusing on on sin. That is the dynamic of the law. But the dynamic of grace is a revelation of him. Oh, woman, I know you've had five divorces and you're sleeping with a man now that's not your husband. That's not the issue, woman. But if you knew who I was, woman, I would give you water to drink and you would never thirst again. And he said that with a twinkle in his eye. And she went back to town, run back, she ran back to town in the heat of the day because they said they, the, the uh, history of that scene is that she had to go in the heat of the day to get water because she was ostracized by the other women, you know, as being a, a floozy or whatever, you know. And she ran back in the heat of the day and got the whole town back to hear him, full of 
life and joy because he was no longer pointing her back to herself. Oh, man, this is so cool. Let's, let's see. Uh, okay, let's finish this real quick, and then we'll go. I'm going to do this again maybe next Sunday, the Lord willing, because there's so much in this Romans 7 that is so, so cool. If we really get what Paul is saying here, it will really um, help us understand the way the flesh works. Okay. Um, verse 5. When we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Verse 6. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So next time, the Lord willing, we'll finish with... This is still Galatians, technically, because it's a, it's a commentary on the verse in Galatians. But this is so cool, saints. Uh, when Jesus died, Galatians 2.20, Paul saw it. I was crucified with Christ. We're going to read that verse in Galatians that trips up some people every now and then that says... In, Rome, in Galatians 5 where it says they who have they, they who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh and its lust thereof some have read that and said I must not be belong to Christ because I still have problems with the flesh every now and then what he's saying there is the same thing he said in 2.20 you, you don't crucify your flesh God did through Christ see so by simply saying they who, they who belong to Christ have crucified past tense the flesh, not that he is crucifying the flesh, but has. It's a state of being that only God can do, and through your faith in him, it is done. God cut away the body of the flesh. That's why we're no longer in the flesh in God's eyes. We're not joined to this body, this creation anymore. There's a new creation been raised from the dead. The body is dead because of sin, Romans says, but the spirit's alive because of righteousness, the gift of righteousness, the very righteousness of God himself. The body is decaying every day, getting old, but the inner man is being renewed every day. It's the dichotomy that we must see that very few in the church understand or see. And so they're locked with an earthly mentality. They live with the eyes of the earth, they look upon that which is seen instead of that which is unseen, as Paul said, and their whole life is basically a religious mess trying to pull it off. And they can't pull it off because this stuff is spiritual. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power is clearly seen to be of God, not of ourselves. There's too much self-help out there. You know, in, the, in the Florida, the law, in the law of Florida, in my area of landlord-tenant law, there's a concept called self-help, and there's no self-help in the state of Florida. We call Texas the, the, the John Wayne state because in Texas there is self-help. You can go in and someone's not paying their rent and go in and take their serial number off their TV, leave the serial number on the counter, and take the TV with you to get your rent. You can't do that in Florida. That's called self-help. You're helping yourself without the courts. Not so in Florida. In Florida, you have to go through the courts. If you don't have a voluntary surrender of the premises by the tenant, you must go through the courts to get possession of that unit. No self-help in Florida. I wish there was a law of the church. No self-help. You know? No self-help. you got to go through the power of God. You know? But there's too much self-help. You know, everybody's trying to pull this off without understanding, you know, of, of the ways of God. His ways are not our ways, as high as the heavens are above the earth. 
so are his ways higher than our ways. And think about what we've been talking about. This is pretty high. <laughs> this is pretty wild. I mean, this is wild. I died, got alive. I'm in heaven. What's going on? This is wild. It's God. Yeah, the invisible realm. <sighs> Lord, help us see with the eyes of our heart. That new heart. With the new heart, we got new vision. Our heart eyes. That's where life is. Then we serve no longer in the oldness of the letter, but in the newness of the spirit. We also then become people that impart life to others. The letter kills. Spirit gives life. If we don't understand these things, we'll kill people with our words, with our judgments, with our, our ways of trying to manipulate behavior and modify behavior without God's way, which is a whole different way. Behavior has changed from within out. A revelation. Jesus said this, wash the, outside, I mean, wash the inside of the cup and the outside will become clean. That's God's thought. God washes the inside of our cup and the outside becomes clean. It will become clean. The invisible first, then the visible. That's God's way. Only man can wash the outside. Why did sepulchers, they wash the outside, but they're full of dead men's bones, Jesus said. See? Trying to do it man's way. So cool. I had one more thought, but I lost it. So, I just want to say I really appreciate you guys. And please remember me in prayer. Because as you know, we all are in a warfare. But sometimes the enemy just really tries to knock me out. So just thank you. Thank you for your prayers. I know he tries to knock all of us out. Just remember me in your prayers. I appreciate it very much. Because I love doing this. God is... I love doing it. It's my life. It's, it's why I'm here. It's why I'm here on earth. Love you guys. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you that the word of grace is spreading to more and more people. And that thanksgiving is abounding to all who hear. I pray your blessing, Lord, on my brothers and my sisters. Thank you for your awesome, awesome, awesome grace, your joy unspeakable. Help it to explode inside of us. To live there. To walk there. Every day. A land filled with milk and honey. Awesome. By the authority of Jesus himself. Who has been given all authority. In heaven and on earth. Amen.